Hello everyone, my name is Raymond Moore and you're listening to Real Men Wear Kilts, the podcast. Now this is something new that we're trying out and we want to see folks uh, if they'll respond to this and if they do and if you do like it, please let us know so we can continue producing this content just for the Real Men Wear Kilts community. So in today's show, I'm going to be sharing a piece of a rather long interview I did with Derek McCauley. He's a specialized artisan, and some of you know who he is because you also have gotten his work. These are carved skin dues, and just so you know, these are the little knives that you carry in your sock. Well, Derek is the one who's producing some incredible skin dues that he carves, and he's actually really the only carver that is in Scotland doing it right now. There's other guys doing other things things but he's actually carving them we also have dustin Druman, and i think that's his last name he changed to something in gaelic which i can't pronounce that name at all uh but we're gonna have him playing his new harp and then also the red hot chili pipers is going to give us a tune as well so oh and we're going to have some cigar talk with Andrew and Sarah from Holy Smokes. Today they're going to be talking about shapes and sizes of cigars, as well as smoke a fat bottom Betty Robusto. And they're going to give their tasting notes on that. So let's just jump right into it and hit it with the Red Hot Chili Pipers. Hit it, guys.
everyone, Rim Moore here with Real Men Wear Kilts. How's everybody doing? We have got a great interview right here lined up, and I have got Derek McCauley. He is the guy who does these incredible skin dues. Uh, I own one of them, and it is just one of my prized possessions. In fact, I wore it for my uh, dad's memorial, and uh, it just, everybody was, always, oh, wow, that's a cool skin do and all that. So, uh, but this is one that I've got from Derek, and so I wanted to welcome Derek to the show. How's everybody doing over there, Derek? Oh, we're good. We're good. Good. Passing sort of lockdown, but we're good. We're happy enough. Well, yeah. a bit of rain as usual in Scotland, but that's that's what you come to expect. So, where do you live in Scotland? Well, I live in Glasgow. Um, okay. Just outside Glasgow, um, but I spend my time mainly when I get spare time up in Lewis. Because um, the family homes up in South Lo South Lochs, which is mm -hmm. Isle of Lewis, Outer Hebrides, um, and it's pretty much as far as you can go in Scotland, and then you fall off. <laughs> you can't really go any further. Um, but it's quite a unique set of islands. Um, you've got the Inner Hebrides, Outer Hebrides, and this is it's pretty far out, but unusual. Hardy people, you know. Hebrides. Now, is there any distilleries out there? Distilleries, uh, well, yeah, you go through, you've got to go through Sky to get uh -huh. there. So you've got, uh, what one's Sky again? That Highland Park. Okay. All right. Uh, and I, I, there's a few other, I mean, you pass a lot of distilleries on the way up there, past them all. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, just recently, they started producing gin. Um, uh, and Harris, Lewis Harris is the same island. There's a kind of line drawn down the middle. The lower half is Harris, top half is Isla Lewis. Harris is a very rocky, mountainous part of the island. And then you get to Lewis, and it's pretty uh, flat and treeless. It used to have trees, but the Vikings took them all. So there we go. <laughs> they had to build those ships to explore and everything, huh? Well, I mean, yeah, they, there's a lot. One of the most famous things they found on the islands was a thing called the Lewis Chessmen. And I've actually made a scheme do like it. It was a berserker. And these were found in a, a sandbank on the west coast, on the most fabulous beaches you'll ever see. Um, well, <laughs> I'm sure a few folk would argue with that. But for, for the north of Scotland, they're stunning. White sands and blue water. But uh, again, very perfect for the Vikings. Um, mm. So they've, they've discovered a lot of places. I myself have went and looked at a few places uh, with my metal detector. <laughs> I haven't found anything yet, but uh, yeah, just keep, keep having a try. Now those beaches that you mentioned just now, uh, is the water a little bit warmer there, or well, um, yeah, that's a good they... question. Um, we have uh, what, what would be the uh, we we'll call it the North Atlantic Drift, but it was actually the Gulf Stream that comes by you guys. And then when it comes to our side, they rename it, call it the North Atlantic Drift, and it does come up and it splits around about the island. And you get two things from that: you get uh, a lot of wind, so there's a lot of windmills up there, slightly higher water temperature. And the fishing's pretty good. And it, mm. it curls around the top of Scotland and it comes ashore around about John O'Groats, which again is the other high high point, um, on a beach called Dunnet Head, which is mm. a, a massive big beach that I go up fishing sometimes. I have done, I haven't been up for a couple of years, but it has a fish on it called, you'll know, called bass. Not the <laughs> same bass as your guys, it's sea bass. Yeah. Again, it's a very rare fish. Uh, mm. It's even more expensive than salmon. Wow. Um, so it's... Uh, it used to be something like ten pounds a pound, so that's like what thirteen dollars or something a pound, which is it's pretty expensive fish, um, uh -huh. but stunning. 
it's a data, it's, it's fabulous. Mm -hmm. um, and that they're caught very close inshore, two or three breakers out. Um, and it's, it's that's that's fishing and a half, really. Um, cool. Fishing up there. So, uh, what's it like being a Glaswegian? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'm very proud to be a Glaswegian. Um, I'm, I, I, I enjoy Glasgow, I enjoy the people, um, but I, it's not just Glasgow. The Scottish people are really, um, they might be tough on all the rest of it, but they're very friendly. Um, someone once asked me, they said, how do, you, how do you define what's friendly and what's not? And I said, well, it depends where the money's coming from. If you go to Aberdeen, where the oil industry is based, um, not, I'm not talking about the Aberdonians themselves, but you know, generally walking through the town, I said, well, if you lifted a newspaper in front of you and walked down the street in Glasgow, um, the only person to walk into you would be someone else reading a newspaper. If you tried that in Aberdeen, you'd be knocking your ass in two seconds flat because people are just on such a mission about money. Um, so the money can define it. Um, but the further north you get, it's uh, people are friendly, helpful. You know, I mean, I, I personally, I'll stop all the time for people. And, uh, you know, if you kind of do somebody a, a good turn, don't do them a bad turn. That's what I was brought up to believe, you know, so uh, that's what I do. That's that's me, you know. Um, awesome. But, uh, yeah, it's good. I enjoy living here. Do you, do, you, do you follow the, oh gosh, what is the team, the football team Scottish there? Rangers. Yep. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, growing up in Glasgow, Glasgow's unique for that. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't even put my toe in to even start discussing that. Um, people, even, even people out with Glasgow don't understand it unless they come here. And it is, you know, it's like a battle between the two of them. And uh, there's not really a middle ground, so I tend to stay away from it, you know. Uh, my wife, she's like Rangers, Daft, my family are Celtic, and uh, no, no, I'm not going there, you know what I mean? Blood at the Christmas table, no thank you. But we'll just stick with the turkey leg, you know. <laughs> uh, awesome. Um, well, how many, you, you've got a lot of skin dues and everything that you've designed. You've got, I mean, they're absolutely gorgeous. Uh, how many have you been selling a lot of them in our group and everything? Well, I, one of the things I've, when I, I'll give you a quick wee history maybe to, to back up how I came about this. Um, I was an aircraft engineer um, for 30 years actually, and I made parts for engines. And one of the things that I was asked to do, in fact, I was the only person asked to do, was when there was a specific component that needed hand finishing. The only person who would trust to do it was myself. Now, it's pretty sobering when someone says to you, uh, fix that, if you slip it, scrap, and uh, by the way, it's worth 70,000 pounds. So it gives you a very steady hand. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that was part of it. There's a lot of things you learn without even thinking about. Mm -hmm. So about 10, 12 years ago, um, my wife and my son were up north and I was down here and I decided that I would try a thing called chainsaw carving. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and that's how the chainsaw carving came about, you know. So I got a chainsaw, successfully didn't kill myself because it is the most <laughs> lethal bloody item you'll ever come across in your life. It is, you know, it's an alligator on a stick. You know, if, it, if you give it a chance, you're losing a limb, you know. So I went from that and I really threw myself at it. 
<laughs> so I had wrong choice at once. But uh, I really did put a lot of effort in for like seven or eight years. And uh, I had wood up and loose that I kept aside to dry out in the barn. And this was for pieces that I did for indoors. Mm-hmm. So a couple of three years ago, something like that, I went up and my brother-in-law had burned it. And it was like trying to explain to someone that took seven years to mature and you burned it. You know, and he said to me, well, I've cut you new stuff. But fortunately enough, I had actually found a set of handworks that had been shed by the native red deer and they shed them every year. Mm. And I thought, you know, I fancy having a go with that. In fact, trying carving it. So it, it kind of was a, a bridge between my engineering background, seven, eight years of carving, um, on a smaller scale, but the type of scale that I'm used to with the engineering side of things. So before long, I realized that I not only enjoyed it, I found it immensely satisfying to produce. I was doing small brooches and things. So you're in Scotland, thought about a scheme do, did a bit of research, and I realized that, yeah, there's people out there making skiing days, and they're making gorgeous pieces, um, but there wasn't anyone carving them actually as a sculpture uh-huh. and uh, I thought I could, I could do that you know so that's how the journey began and uh, I met a guy in Inverness went up to see him and he specializes in uh, getting you the unusual stuff like the black the black buffalo horn things like that and I just produced my first skiing do uh-huh. and it was on the way back there I'd actually made it loose the first one which was an eagle head it's on my page you can go way back and you'll find it and uh, I showed him it and he held it like it was the crown jewels, you know, and he said, Derek, do, do you realize what this is? And I said, What's well, this game doing? <laughs> what, what, what else are you doing? And he said, No, he said, The last guy to actually carve a scheme do passed 30 years ago. And he went away in his office and he came back with this little whistle, which was made from antler. And he said, He gave me this when I first started the business. He said, Now I export all over the world. He said, I, I know for a fact that no one's, they're making this fabulous steel blades are making great handles but no one's sculpting and I said but wonderful and he said to me um he said do you like your job and I said well be honest no <laughs> the Tourette's almost came out you know and I said but it's not the greatest of jobs it's I've been doing it a long time um and I did 25 years on night shift you know so slept hanging for the roof and you know uh <laughs> I'd be actually like in fact a 4,000 after that amount of time <laughs> um, and he said to me, well, you know, if you ever fancy changing your job, he said, that will be your job. He said, because that would be a fabulous thing to do. So I carried on and I carried on learning. I mean, antlers are hobbled, which is, means that your carbons exist within about four or five millimeters of the surface. Mm-hmm. When I say hollow, the center is soft. It's really keratin yeah. in it, which is there. And the outside is calcified bone. So... Um, Carried on with that, and then along comes 2020. <laughs> what can you say, you know? Yeah. Um, and this is how it then became my job and what I do for a living now. Mm. Uh, and what I never thought in my entire life I would actually have some do something for a living that I enjoyed. It's, it's it was something that you know I thought it was belong to other people, like you know. So so that's the story how it came about. Um, but as being this sort of car run things, I've been doing that since I was like two years old. Wow. It's, always, it's always been in me. It's always been part of me. Um, there's no like bang my head and it came about. I've always did this sort of stuff all the way through. 
and uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm where I am now. <laughs> so, so long answer, but that's that's how it came about. Mm -hmm. Well, folks, what we're going to do here is take a quick break. Folks, if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube or something, we're going to stop here. But the rest of this interview is going to be for the Realm members. And so, Realm members, stay tuned. We're going to continue on. We'll see you. Goodbye. God bless. Kilt on. everybody. Hi. Welcome to Holy Smokes. Holy Smokes. I'm Andrew. I'm Sarah. Over there's Moose. Yeah. And this is from the Facebook group Real Men Wear Kilts. We have a great cigar that I want to talk about and we also got in my favorite little thing of the month that it's a little treat. Mm -hmm. But we'll talk about the uh, viewer mail first because uh, this is going to lead towards the cigar. All right. Mm -hmm. So Thank you, Christian. He sent in a letter and said, hey, dear Holy Smokes, loving the show, and I have a question. Uh, I read your articles on realmenwearkilts.com, which is where we're going to post the reviews and stuff like that starting Saturdays instead of Thursdays. And I'm confused by when you start talking about, like, a size uh, of cigar, and then you often note, like, a 5 by 50 or 6 by 64 What are these numbers? What do they mean? Can you all explain it to me? So thank you so much for sending that in. That's going to help us big time in this show today because we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about one of my favorite cigars uh, in reference to this. Thanks to this little box will help us out. Love to talk about the Fat Bottomed Betty. Remember Fat Bottomed Betty who was pretty bit dead from last week? Yes. <laughs> had the had the great Dia, Dia de la Muerte face going yes. on there. But we're going to talk about the cigars. We're going to do an unboxing of, of my cigar club. Once a month, they send me a random a bunch of premium cigars. And we're going to, they, they come in like a various, a whole bunch of different sizes. I'm going to try not to let this be a drone-on bore fest <laughs> because we're talking about sizes, right? And I yes. guess the question is, does size matter? And the answer is yes, for your preference. I'm going to try not to giggle like a 13-year-old boy because uh, Good luck with that. it's really hard to do that. But so right. we have we the have premium the premium cigar, cigar of the of month, month club. club. It's fantastic, right? With five rando mystery cigars. Yeah, you, I don't know what they're going to send me. If anybody wants to get in on this, <laughs> send me a message uh, and I will talk to you about it. But to start off with, when we start talking about cigar sizes, we're going to be talking about cigars in inches, even though... Uh, most other places in the world does metrics. Cigars still come in inches all over the world. And we don't know why. So the length <laughs> is in inches, and the um, girth of the is cigar in inches. 
If it's in cigar, uh, yeah. Well, it's in sub inches. Yeah, it's in. It... So we're going to use a ring gauge, which is going to be just like a two digit number up to 64. So it's going to be a 64th of an inch. So this means the biggest of cigars are an inch? Or no, they have, biggest... they have some freaking hog legs out there, but um, they go past 64. I've seen 80s, and I don't understand the point in them because. They seem really ridiculous, but... Because it looks impressive, <laughs> I guess. It's a shower. So <laughs> the 64 is usually the biggest around, and I don't particularly like them. If you look on most of my reviews, I go for something like a 5x50. It just is just about right for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to talk about these. Um, I'll hand those over to Sarah. All right. First up, we're going to have the Ramon Bueso Genus Oscuro Toro. So the Toro. Ramon Bueso. Ramon Bueso. Are we unpackaging yeah, them? Yeah, well, you can just show it. Okay. Because I don't want to unwrap it just yet. Okay. If it can be seen. If you get unpackage, unpackage, whatever. So the Not Toro. Much to see so the Toro, the and, and here I've got a a, a, a ruler mm -hmm. with inches on it, right? Mm -hmm. And you can see that this is going to be somewhere in the six inch range. A Toro is going to be noted as six inches to six and a half. And we're going to see a 50 to 54 ring gauge. So it's almost like three quarters of an inch to, I don't know, five sixths of an inch. So we can say, okay, it is bigger than my wedding ring, but not by a lot. See, the weird thing, though, is a lot. <laughs> and, and I'm sure plenty of you have seen this in, in when you're out shopping. You buy clothes. You bought uh, your 34, 36 jeans. Guys, your ladies, you bought a 12 or 11 or Yeah, a nine. dear God, if you want to know what 8 or 10 means. Nobody knows what it means. Go to the next store and it means something different. So when we say Toro, there's going to be a, a lot of differences in there. Like even this, this thing, which is huge to me, is a Toro. Can I see that other one? Yeah. This is a Toro as well. Mm -hmm. But you can see that this is a 6x60. It is much, much bigger. This is a six by sixty, while this other, uh, while the the Oscuro here is a fifty four. So you're talking about a quite a difference, okay? But it's still called a Toro. Yeah. This is uh, why it's confusing. Uh, the next one is confusing to me because it's called a small Churchill, mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to talk about Churchill. Very in a second. small Churchill. It is not a Churchill at all. As a matter of fact, it is a Robusto. Uh, this is the EP Carrillo Selection Oscuro. A Robusto, which is my favorite, it's usually about five inches long and somewhere between mm -hmm. a 48 to 50 ring gauge, which is like half an inch. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, three quarters of an inch. Mm -hmm. Now, Fat-Bottomed Betty, in reference, is this called... Is about the same. Yeah, to her ring finger. Mm -hmm. So, Fat-Bottomed Betty, in reference to that, is called a double Robusto. And I don't know why, because it's about five inches long, but you can see that it's much thicker. Mm-hmm. That's why she's fat bottom Betty and not skinny bottom Betty. <laughs> yes. Yep. Just saying. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> we don't want to just sit there forever. We got another Toro, the Trinidad Club Selection. Mm -hmm. Toro. This one's kind of fun. It's got a nice little gold Shiny. shininess to it. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. And we'll be talking about these as we go on. You know, I, I, I want to tell you all about them, but I don't want to spend forever on this point. On this, because this is a, you know, it's a bit of a boring subject. So the next one we have is a Perfecto, and a lot of people take a look at this and they say Torpedo, but that's not really accurate. Um, yeah, go ahead and pull that one out. Okay. Because it's it's confusing. No, Torpedo's... it is Perfecto because it is not too big, not too small, doesn't take too long. <laughs> so that's the, what Perfecto is. Perfecto is kind of noted by having a closed-off foot, 
and it looks like a torpedo top, but it'll also be real fat in the middle. Um, the last, the last one we're going to talk about here before we light up the Betty and, and talk about her a little bit is going to be a Churchill. Yes, Look in reference, thing. in reference to Winston. He loved these long cigars. Just, but it's still skinny. Just a couple crazy cool notes about the Churchill is they're typically about seven inches long. And this is La Moneda 25th anniversary, cool. if you are curious. Okay. They're usually about seven inches long and they run a 50 to 54 ring gauge. So just really close to that three quarters of an inch mark. I think they're really good. One of the things that I like to note on, on Churchill's is that they are intimidating. People look at those and they're like, I don't need a cigar like this. It'll this is two hours. This is too much of a cigar. And I actually love to give Churchill's to newbies because they often don't realize that there is a lot going on. When you're smoking a cigar, there is going to be a lot of channeling the smoke through the shaft of the cigar. And a Churchill is, you know, quite a bit longer than this. This is five, so a Churchill's another two inches longer. And what you'll find is when you're when you're taking a puff of a Churchill, it doesn't get to you overly strong or overly hot. And so these these Robustos are good to me because they last about an hour. They Maybe hour 15. Those Churchills, you know, I've, I've taken one for an hour and a half of two hours, pal. Mm? Yes, and, and they're fantastic. No, they're for George Pappard to have sticking out of his mouth all day. Yeah. That's what Churchills are for. But I, I hear sometimes I talk to ladies and they're like, no, I don't want that because it's intimidating and it's too much cigar for me. And I, I, mm-hmm. I often say, I, I think you would benefit from trying this as opposed to something else because they want something like a cigarillo or, or uh, you know, a little bitty cigar that they think is going to be great and then their fingers are hot and they're 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 puffing on a hot and it's over too soon <laughs> over too soon is always terrible agreed but it's never happened to me. today we're going to do the fat bottom betty where's the cigar <laughs> chopper left it inside <laughs> wow i oh, totally messed up guys i left my cigar chopper inside <laughs> oh wow does not look like we were quite ready for this one today but we were we talked oh, we got quite ready for it but let's uh, let's get to this. So when I love the fat bottom Betty, in fact, one of my favorite things is is this wrapper. It's almost like Technicolor. It's not quite gold leaf, and she's undead. She's pretty. She's fantastic. And let's you know, light her up. She's another one of the infused cigars, and I like these. I will be. I will admit that I feel kind of like it's a. It's one of those things like I got drunk on on uh, sangria or something. It's like. How People did that happen? People do it all the time. Well, I mean, you know, okay. <laughs> what, are, what are those little fruity drinks that, that guys are not supposed to touch? Anything with an umbrella. Oh, my God. Unless it's you're like, literally on a beach. Yeah. Or, if, yeah. So yeah. it's it's one of those things. But I'll tell you, these things are amazing. They taste fantastic. They're named after his mom. <laughs> Shout out to Betty Lyon. Yes, and her fat bottom. <laughs> Excuse me. Wow. So immediately, I'm kind of tasting a lot of cool things. I get some cocoa, um, mm, like sweet vanilla. It's wonderful. Caramel, maybe just a lot of sweetness in there. Tastes like a carnival. Yeah, carnival. Maybe. I'm gonna try to toast this foot. Mm-hmm. If I can keep my lighter rolling. Told you we have a wind tunnel back here. Yep, you can probably hear it on the the thing sometimes sounds like a jet engine starting really quietly 
Wow, that's wonderful. Today we are drinking some Smuggler. Did you? I forgot and tried to inhale it. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah, Old Smuggler is like the cheapest scotch ever, and it's delicious. So it's good for daily drinking. It is. And also, I've been I've been told that the Scots are a little thrifty. Thrifty with our money. <laughs> and the bottle is like $18. I really just can't pass it by. It's mm -hmm. not as good as, as everything else, but for $18, God, I just can't say no. It's not rot gut. I know a it's lot of yummy. people think it is. No, it's not like the Inver House and the old McGregor. A lot of the cheap ones that are just gross. This is the only cheap one we've ever found that's delicious. So why not drink it? Oh, this is wonderful. I agree. So next week, what's up? More about kinds of cigars? I think like we're going to try to we're going to try to talk like maybe about two different types of cigars, always. But I think next week we're going to talk about different types of tobacco, because um, we often, you know, I'm sure if you've looked across the plethora of tobacco, oh, so the, to guess to the plethora of cigars in a cigar shop, you've probably often found many different colors, many different shapes and sizes. And, you know, we're talking about shapes and sizes today, and there are many, many more that mm -hmm. we didn't talk about. But there's a lot of different types of tobacco and a lot of different people who use them in very mm -hmm. interesting ways. But for now, we're going to enjoy our undead friend, Fat Bottom Betty. Mm -hmm. And we will see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to Holy Smokes on Real Men Wear Kilts. I'm Andrew. I'm Sarah. That's Moose. Kilt on, you guys. Kilt on. <laughs> Well, I want to thank everybody who took the time to participate in this podcast. Uh, Derek, Sarah, Andrew, Drustin, Red Hot Chili Pipers, and me, myself, Raymond Moore. This has been a lot of fun. Do me a favor again. If you like what you've heard and you like this show, you like the content, maybe you have some suggestions for other content or other stuff, or maybe you're one of the musicians out there, bagpipe player or something, that would like to be featured on the Real Men Wear Kilts, the podcast. Do me a favor, shoot me a note, email, or uh, just PM me on Facebook. I'm the easiest way to get hold of me. And let me know. I really want to hear. We want to really produce a show just for you guys out there and for the Kilted community. It's been a lot of fun. So do me a favor. Share this with everybody and anybody who love kilts and love the Celtic culture. And we'll see you next time. Again, I'm Raymond Moore. We'll see you. Goodbye. God bless. And kilt on. Kilt on.